turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I, I love this passage right here because I, I think we read through verses like this and it's like, oh, that was no big deal. But if you were back in the Bible days, you'd be like, wow, that was a really, really, really big deal. So you can imagine as God or, or Jesus ascended back up into heaven, he promised them the Holy Spirit. He promised to empower them. He promised to equip them. He promised all these different things. And now these guys are in this upper, upper room and we left off one of the messages like that as they were up there praying and we don't know exactly what was going on, but we know they were praying and asking God, Lord, fulfill what you said. Lord, you promised to be with us. You promised to go before us. You gave us this incredible mission. Lord, help us to do it. But I guarantee you to them, that mission was almost mission impossible. When we were kids, we used to watch this show. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Mission impossible or, or you know... I play the theme song. When we were kids, we'd act out everything that we would do, uh, that we'd watch a show like that. I remember me and uh, Dave, Pastor Dave, when we were kids, we would go back into the bedroom and we would get all these little gadgets and things like that and see if we couldn't make it through the entire house without being seen. We were, don't laugh, we were only about 18. You know how people are like that. So, and uh, so we, we, would, we would, when we were little kids, we, we would do that. And the whole point was, could we make it into the living room without anybody seeing us? And it was this impossible mission. And that was the whole thing that the show was about. Could I do this mission that absolutely seems impossible? Let me tell you guys, the mission that was given to them in Acts chapter 2 seemed impossible. I want you to preach to all the nations. I want you to transform the world. And I'm going to take a group of guys that all spoke the same language. Some of them were failures. Some of them had the background of being fishermen. But none of them were qualified to change the world. Mission impossible. So let's read again in Acts chapter 2. And we'll lead up to where we left off last week. In the day of Pentecost... We've studied what that was in the 50 days and how God, uh, it was a special day that God gave them the Ten Commandments, celebrated 50 days after they left Egypt and the, what God did there was fully come. They were all in one accord in one place, but they weren't at a meeting. Do you know how many times I pictured this right here? And I'm, I'm being honest, I pictured this like, like they, they walked into a congregation like this. So, so maybe we need to reboot our brains a little bit. And I have asked God really to help me get away from my notes this morning and really communicate just biblical truth of what God was saying. They were not at a meeting filled with people that came to hear the gospel. They were not at a meeting where people were there to hear from them. They were just gathered together in one accord in the spot. Not a crowd. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And we, we talked about the breath of God and how often we read that description where God breathed on Adam, and he became a living soul. And God breathed on the church, and the church became a living thing, and we are the body of Christ. And there appeared unto him cloven tongues, divided tongues like of, of fire, this simile, this comparison saying it was a description of power that came down and rests upon each one of them. He equipped them with gifts and abilities that they needed to accomplish mission impossible. But it was not about them controlling the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God controlling them. And the Bible said that it sat upon each of them, giving this visual. Now, guys, you said, man, I don't know what that would look like. Sometimes in the history, God would go back and say, hey, wait a minute, you're not going to get any of this. 
So God like pulls back the spiritual curtain and says, hey, that's what's going by and then going on. And then he kind of pulls it back. So let me tell you right now, we might not see this, this rushing wind and we might not see the, this fire come down in this visual. But I tell you, the spirit of God is just as real as he was in this spot. The power of God is just as real as he was in this spot. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the Spirit of God began a revolution and thousands were saved and baptized. And it began to spread across the nation and they raised up leaders and preachers and missionaries. And the church led to the salvation of Paul which started a whole new revolution out of him. And, and all of this happened in this spot So what do we learn from what we're about to see? I'm going to show you today what we need as a church and what we cannot survive as a church without. Number one, God working through his spirit. Here's God working through his spirit. And I gave this vessel illustration. And last week I didn't have it in a pot, but I wanted you guys to kind of get the visual of this. We are vessels. I'll give you some verses in a minute, but I I want you guys to know that there's nothing special about the pot. But when the Spirit of God came upon them, there was something inside of them, and we visualized all that already, something inside of them that was made them more than what they were. Jesus, God said, "I I will dwell in them. I will come upon them. I will fill them. We are different. We are touched with God. We can have the anointing of God. We can have the filling of the Spirit of God. We are different. There should be a power about God's people. And that that fire that came down upon them visualized that it was something greater than themselves that showed up on that day. What does that look like? I'm serious. Today, we, we, we need to seriously stop and say, what does that look like? Because if any of us walked around with our heads on fire, we would just something be madly wrong. I, and I know we use illustrations, and I want you guys to get it. I want you guys to connect it to the power of God. I want to connect it to Acts chapter 2. Well, let's be real for a minute. I'm not a pot, and I'm not on fire, physically speaking. So what does that look like? The Spirit of God began to move in this. God began to work in ways that they could not do. And all of a sudden, we can read through this passage What God was doing. See, God was working through his spirit. God was working in ways that we could not do. Listen to this. In Acts 2.4, don't just look over this. They they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them. You guys see what's going on? What what was happening in the pot that I just blew out. Man, that's a bad sign right there. So... (laughs) So what was happening in this pot is God was giving them, allowing them, like saying, Tony, I'm going to give you something or power and ability that you could not do by yourself. Do you read that? The Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them or touched them with a way to speak that they could not speak by themselves. This vessel I don't want you guys to make this about yourself before we get into that. And I know we, we, we get all worked up with this. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out in darkness has shined it in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. 
this, this amazing thing of the word of God and the power of the spirit of God in, in clay pots or in dirt of what we are according to Adam and, and Genesis. We we're just that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us and not of us. Everything that I'm going to explain to you what the power of God did on that day was not about the disciples. It was not about them. Although God works through us, it's still not about us. Everything God does is for the glory of God. And on this day, the Spirit of God was moving. And thousands began to gather. Look at, look at verse 5. And dwelling in Jerusalem, and dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven... Now listen to this. Now when this was noised abroad, what was this? The fact that there was these guys in this upper room that were gathered in the Spirit of God that were praying for an anointing, a filling, a moving, the promise of God. When that was noised abroad, when everybody goes, you said, man, down the street, you wouldn't believe what was going on. Did you hear about those followers of Jesus? What are you talking about? All of a sudden, I'm telling you, I was standing there and I could hear them speak in my language. And they were like, are you serious? I've got to go hear what this is about. Listen, the multitudes came together. Now, when this was noise abroad, the multitudes came together. I want you to see what the moving of God was doing. It was the audience was gathered by God. Let me put it another way. The Spirit of God was working in them to draw people To the gospel. Do you guys get that? How many times have we read this account in scripture and we miss it all together? You say, well, I want the spirit of God to work. I want the power of God to show up. What does that look like? I honestly believe when God begins to work in our lives and people begin to see when we sit there and have a burden for our community and a burden for our kids just to get a survey, how many of you have somebody, a family member or a close friend you wish would have been here today, but they didn't come? Raise your hand right now. Church is filled with people like that. Do you know how many of us say, I can't get a hold of my, my son's heart? I can't get a hold of my parents' heart? For some reason, I can't get through to my husband. I cannot get through to them. What happened in this passage was not normal. The Spirit of God gave them utterance. The Spirit of God began to work in their life. The Spirit of God began to work in the community, grabbing people and pulling them that day. And the Bible says, and they were all gathered together. We're going to build a case here and establish if the church is going to die today, it's because the Word of God and the Spirit of God is not working today. It's not because God is not powerful and God is not awesome and God has not made us promises. It's because we're not doing our part The audience was gathered by God. Look at verse 7. When they were gathered there, they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are these not, are are these which speak Galatians? Says, "Are, are these guys not from this other country? How in the world is this physically possible? And verse 8, 9, 10, and 11 goes through and describes all the background and gives the history where everybody was from. And they said in verse 11, we do hear them speak in our own language, in our own tongue, the wonderful works of God, and they were all amazed. See, the second thing that we realize is God not only, through the Spirit of God, drew people to them. The second thing we realize is their obstacles were overcome by God. 
See, if we're going to reach Columbus, Ohio, you guys need to understand we've got a lot of obstacles before us. There's, there's not an obstacle that we will face with the Spirit of God inside of us that God cannot handle. Not one. It doesn't matter what the obstacle is. God works in, in mysterious ways to work in our lives to communicate through us so that people in this world will hear the truth. You talk about obstacles that we're facing of sharing the gospel. I, I, I think about this, guys. We've got to stop making excuses. You can imagine Peter and them on that day standing there and them being like, hey, guys, how are we going to reach them? And it was, the God was like, you don't worry about the problems. You just obey me. I'll worry about the problems. The problem was that nobody was going to hear a thing that they said. You know what the Spirit of God did? As it said, Peter, just start talking. Peter, just start talking. And the Spirit of God went before them. They began to work in everybody's life, and everybody began to hear the gospel. Do you know what a problem we're facing in our generation? We're dealing with apathy. We're dealing with a bunch of people that say, I just don't need that. We're dealing with a culture that's rebellious, saying, I, don't want, I, I grew up with, rebel, uh, with church being shoved down my throat. You're not getting me to a church. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? We're, we're, we're dealing with a, a world that is so ingrained in entertainment that all of a sudden the church is boring and the gospel is boring. And it's old-fashioned. It's out of touch. And all these obstacles that we're facing. Here they're facing these obstacles. And the Spirit of God began to go before them and break down every barrier that was standing there for them to hear the truth, regardless of what it is. There's power in what God does. So all of a sudden, when the Spirit of God began to work and move in their life, the Spirit of God began to bring people closer to the truth. The Spirit of God began to break down the walls that was holding them back And then all of a sudden, it says, we do hear them speak in our tongue. God began to give them understanding. You see, the world, in Ephesians 4.18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. That's not being like talking down to people. But it's just a reality that people don't get it because of the blindness of their heart. Their heart is the internal part that we're trying to reach And I'll tell you, there's not a performance, there's not a song, there's not a message, there's not a a logo or anything that's going to make a difference outside of the Spirit of God when we're trying to reach people's hearts. It's not about going through the motions. He realized on this day it was never about them, it was about the Spirit of God working through them to do everything in this passage. Colossians 1.9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, cease not to pray for you, and the desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of him, of the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. All of a sudden, it's, a, it's the spirit of God that goes before people and begins to open their eyes and make them see. It's the spirit of God that in your classroom, when you're trying to get a five-year-old to understand sin, or your 18-year-old to understand the love of God, and you say, what is wrong? It must be the spirit of God that gives them understanding. Because if the world is blinded, I promise you, you have no ability, no lecture, no story possible, powerful enough to be able to break through that, to give them what they need. So here's Peter. All of a sudden, they begin just to obey. But there was a power in them begin to do what they could not do. And God brought them the audience. God broke down the barriers. 
God gave them understanding. All of this was happening because of the Spirit of God on that day that was working in a way that we could not work ourselves. You say, why, why, why is this not happening? I, I, I can't touch on this without going back to this point, church. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 where it says, quench not the Spirit. If you remember when we touched on this, the word quench literally means to extinguish. It's not that we have more power over there to like push out the Spirit of God, but God says, I'm not going to dwell, I'm not going to fill a space that is filled with sin. Or put it this way, he's not going to work inside of a location that is quenching, extinguishing by being counter what he is. I can't tell you enough how important it was to see what they did. They gathered in the upper room. They were there in one accord. They were in unity of the Spirit of God. They were praying out together. They wanted one thing, and God showed up in the middle of that. God will never show up in division. He will never show up in those things that is about pride or arrogance or ourselves. And he'll never show up in a spot that does not bring in all the glory to God. So all of a sudden, things change. And in the middle of this, in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, the very first words should amaze us. Acts 2, 14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lift up his voice. I love the fact that the Bible emphasizes that they were all there. All 12 of the disciples, of course, Judas is gone, and we studied how they replaced Judas with uh, Matthias and how they, they brought him in there. But Acts chapter 2, verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lift up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. See, the, God not only works through his spirit, but God works through the restored. See, Peter stands and he speaks and he stands with this group of 12 that are all qualified preachers. They were all men that had been there and heard it. You've got Peter, James, and John that were all part of the inner 12. But if I were you and if you guys were standing there, how many of you guys would sit there and stand back? Now, I know you're, you guys are all proper Christians that would sit there and you're, you don't have any issues yourself. So I, let me just talk to you a minute. If, if you were standing there and you looked over and the guy that stood up or stepped forward was Peter, would that not bother you just a little bit? I know most of us would not say that because I'll tell you, when we judge, we judge on the inside. They were saying that, you know, driving down the road and standing in line and all that, we, we judge on the inside. We'll stand there and say, my kids would never act like that, and my marriage is so much better, and I can't believe they would do that. We, we judge on the inside. Now, none of these guys were there doing that verbally. I don't read that, but I can imagine when Peter stood up, it says that in that passage, Peter stood forward, stood up, went before them and began to preach. Thomas and the rest of them was like, isn't this the joker that denied Jesus? Why are you doing this? Why is it him? Guys, I, I'm going to tell you guys, I, I kind of deceived you this morning by giving you this illustration because this is not a true depiction of the church. It's really not. It's a little more like this. His Peter on that day was there because God wanted him to speak up. 
everything that happened in that passage was not them. The Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit of God brought in people. The Spirit of God spoke to their hearts. The Spirit of God gave them understanding. The Spirit of God is the one that went behind Peter and nudged him in the back and said, speak up, boy. This story is not just a story of them on the day of Pentecost speaking in other languages. It's a story of God's introducing to the world his amazing grace. Peter did not deserve anything that he did. He didn't deserve to be there whatsoever. And all of a sudden, this guy that was, had mistakes blew his opportunity Literally lied to Jesus Christ and said, it will never be I that does that. He didn't just deny Jesus one time. He didn't do it twice. He did it three times. And the Bible says after he was done, he ran out of there and wept bitterly because of his mistake. Yeah, I wish in our minds, I think we have it to where we look like this. But let me tell you one thing that there, there might have been Matthew and, and James and the other guys standing there. But I'll tell you, it was Peter that God spoke through on that day. It's a story of restoration. It's a story of how God doesn't give up on us when we make mistakes. If there was ever a guy that had regrets in his life, it was Peter. See, this illustration is a little more accurate because of the mistakes that he did. But God wanted a demonstration on that day of his amazing grace. You see, there's got to be something that we understand from this. You say, man, I don't look like that. Well, I hope because there's something that happens inside of our life. The Spirit of God dwells inside of your life as much as it did as anybody else. You take that person that is in our church that grew up in a Christian home and never went to jail and never did drugs and never smoked and all this, and maybe on the outside of their life they have it all together and you have that. But I tell you, the Spirit of God dwells in every single one of us the same. God does not play favorites, God does not have a first class section in the church. If anything, God stands there and says, Peter, what I want is for them to see that through your mistakes and through your scars, that our God is a God of second chances and restoration and redemption and forgiveness. That is the God that we serve. And he raised Peter up on that day so that people would know who our God was. How many of you have scars this morning? Raise your hand. Lift them high. Lift them up. Don't put them down. Do you guys look around right there? You guys can put your hands down. You know what that is? Is the fact that somewhere along your life you messed up. You messed up. For everybody else that didn't raise your hand, you might not have the evidence scars, but you still have them. You might not have a jail record. It might not have been public knowledge. You might not have had to go to an abortion clinic to, to deal with your issue, but I tell you, we are all messed up. What is the difference? It wasn't about what he did wrong. It was what about, about what he did right. Because on that shoreline, even when he got discouraged and in his mind thinking that I am done and God can't use me and God doesn't want me, Peter got on that boat and he said, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back to what I'm good at. I'm going to go back to the life that I know because obviously I'm not cut out for this. Do you realize what would, have happened, would not have happened on that day is if, if, if people would have judged him and they would have got the victory because of other people looking at you saying, I can't believe she's on the stage. After what he did or after she did, 
God pushed Peter up there and said, boy, you let them see what I do through the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus Christ. No, he had every right to be there. You need to remember, as you look at your scars, your scars may reflect who you were, but they do not define who you are. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, which is my life verse, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. And this life that I live, this life that I am in the flesh, this life that, yeah, I have scars and I have a record and I have a background, that, that I have a divorce and I, I am known in some areas for the things that I've done and my wife will never look at me the same. Yes, that life, those scars don't just go away. They might not be able to hurt you, but they still do remind us. I've preached on that before. I guarantee you for the rest of Peter's life, there was not a time in his life that he heard a rooster that he didn't have that reminder of his mistake. But the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now listen to this. Who loved me. Who loved me. And gave himself for me. No longer should the church be able to move forward with the idea that God builds his church out of people that have it all together, but more about who God has restored in their life to do the work of God. Because all of a sudden, maybe Peter stood up there that day and said, hey, for you guys that think that you don't deserve it, guys, can I just share my testimony for just a minute? And all of a sudden, Peter's able to speak in a way that John and the rest of them could not speak because he was a story of how God picks up our broken pieces and puts us back together. See, God worked through his spirit and God worked through the restored. But there's one last thing that I see in this passage that God worked through on this day and God worked through his word. On this day, there was religious, there were skeptics, there were the confused Confused to the point where when we read that, there was people that stood up and said, hey, these guys must be drunk because this doesn't make sense what we hear. The only thing that I could come out with is that they, they've been drinking all morning is, is the definition that was given there. Is this Jesus thing real? Did he really conquer death and hell? Did he really come out of the grave? Can he really help me? And it said in Acts 2.22, you men of Israel hear these words. Listen to this. Acts 2.22, you men of Israel, hear these words. This was Peter on this day, but it wasn't really Peter. It was the Spirit of God working through Peter on that day. And maybe on the outside, they were looking at him saying, what can this guy do to change my life? Or what does he have to say that's going to help me? But see, what they didn't realize, what Peter was about to give them was the gospel. It wasn't his opinion. He wasn't going back in the Jewish history. He wasn't going to pull back what they did. He wasn't going to scorn them or get mad at them for what they did to Jesus Christ. He was just going to give them the truth. Listen to this message. He said, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by many miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the 
the termite of the council, but for the foreknowledge of God, ye have taken by the wicked hands and have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible he should be holden of it. This was controversial. This message was a message that literally stirred up people to the point where they wanted to crucify everyone that stood up and preached this. But Peter's message on this day was the gospel. It is the gospel that God promised in Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing wherein I send it. Have you ever thought about how, po- how powerful that message is? You see, even the word of God, which is that, that light unto my feet, it is that light that shines in our way. The Bible says it goes out when you preach it, when you give it to your grandkids, when you tell it in Sunday school, when you're standing around the water fountain and people are sitting there and you speak up and say, hey guys, I, I've got to tell you, I'm not the same because of what Jesus did in my life. The Bible says that it goes out. It's not you going out. It's the word of God, literally the fire, the power of God going out. And the Bible says that it does what it will. It begins to knock on people's hearts and open their eyes and help them to see. Sometimes when we preach and we teach, we think, man, we're not reaching anybody. It's in vain. I didn't get through to one person. You know how many times I've preached on Sunday morning and I'm thinking, and God has to quickly remind me and say, son, it's not about you. It's about the word of God that has power. You think about Hebrews when we talk about the word of God is quick and powerful. You know what the word quick is? It means alive. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It says as it pierces. The word of God is able to go into our life and be able to cut down the negative and cut down the lies and cut down the deceit. Pierces to their hearts. It's alive. It begins to breathe life into them. And that which was dead, all of a sudden gets life. That which was blind, all of a sudden sees. That which was bound is all of a sudden loose because of that. It is describing as a two-edged sword that can come through and break and cut and divide things that we could never do. So the word of God went out. On that day, and all of a sudden, these men that were standing there In Acts chapter 2, they they begin to hear the gospel and they begin to hear what God was doing. And listen what they did at the end of this passage. As they were standing around on that day, Peter said, And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. Do you guys notice the same thing of the wording over and over again for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper and it pierces to the heart and soul you know how in the beginning when we said their understanding is darkened because of the blindness of their heart do you see how when Peter got up there and he was standing there just as a broken vessel before them and God said Peter just tell them the truth and God began to walk through the audience and begin to do the work We have something that can literally change the world. And I think too much we're standing there looking at ourselves going, man, I'm not much. 
And God said, don't worry about what you look like, where you've been, or your past. Remember who you are and whose you are. Remember what I did to come into your life and restore you. Remember the Spirit of God that He gives us that goes before us. Remember the two-edged sword and the power of the Word of God that goes before us. Some of you here today, you're down on yourself. You look at your life and you're almost embarrassed. Maybe you did and mentally what you, Peter did and say, guys, I'm just going fishing. I, I, I'm, I don't deserve to be in there. I don't deserve that opportunity. That's just not me. You're going to miss out on the opportunity when the Holy Spirit kicked Peter and said, dude, it's your turn. I want your story. I want your message. I want your life. The beginning of the church and the preaching of the gospel came from the guy that messed up. Some of you have messed up. Can I introduce you to a Jesus, our God, our Savior that restores broken lives?